0: Welcome back to the show. Now, our 100th episode is coming up in just a few weeks, and to celebrate, we're actually compiling an episode to feature your voices and stories. So I would love to hear from you. There's two steps here to get involved and to be featured on our 100th episode of The Emily Osmond Show. So step one is just pick your favorite learning from listening to this show. And it may have been from one of my solo episodes or from one of our fabulous guests. Step two, I want you to go to this very cool website called SpeakPipe dot com forward slash Emily Osmond. So speak is S P E A K pipe P I P E dot com forward slash Emily Osmond and follow the instructions there to record a short audio to go on the show and make sure you get that one in before the 21st of October. I cannot wait to hear from you. Okay, on to this episode, I speak with Kate Toon, who is a coach, speaker, author, and podcaster. Her digital education businesses, The Recipe for SEO Success, and The Clever Copywriting School have helped more than 8,000 business owners to grapple the Google beast and write better content. And Kate also runs Australia's only dedicated annual copywriting conference called CopyCon. This was one of my favorite guest episodes. We speak about Kate's 12 years of running an online business, what it has looked like to reach a million dollars in revenue, and why Kate's goal is now to start making her business smaller, not bigger. I know you're going to love this one. You'll find Kate at katetoon.com and on Instagram. Just search Kate Toon. Also, well, it's so good to have you here today, Kate. First of all, to kick us off, could you tell the audience who are you? What do you do? Who
1: am I? That's a very existential question. I don't know this year. It's been a funny year. <laughs> now, um, so my name is Kate Toon, and my businesses I have three core businesses. Uh, the first one is called The Recipe for SEO Success which is a kind of online learning ecosystem for search engine optimization. It's, there's the courses and resources and a podcast. Um, then the other side, another part of my business is the Clever Copywriting School, where I teach copywriters how to write better, but also have successful and enjoyable and profitable businesses. And there's a directory, a job board, a shop, a membership, courses, and an annual conference called CopyCon. And then my kind of business which i guess is becoming my core business is my membership which is the digital master chefs which is around helping just general business owners use digital marketing to be more successful so it's all kind of education digital ding ding, ding all that kind of stuff yeah
0: Love it. So I do like to ask guests what you might be listening to, watching, reading right now, just to get a bit of a feel. It does not have to be business related.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm not a business podcast listener. It's funny. I've got three (laughs) podcasts of my own, but I don't. So podcast wise, I love this American life. I love a good storytelling podcast. I'm a terrible sucker for case file, even though it's very dark. And then um, I've been watching Wentworth right from the start oh it's so good it makes Orange is the New Black look lame Um it's so fun so that's Australian women in prison that's my way forward I I tell you I think I could survive in prison now I've learned some good tricks
0: (laughs) you got all the tricks cool I haven't watched that so I have to check it out (laughs) so what did it look like have you you've been in business for 12 years or so Have you always had some sort of side hustle? What did it look like getting into working for yourself? Well,
1: I started my own business when I was five months pregnant. I was working in an ad agency at quite a senior level, but I was a contractor. So there was no way I was going to get maternity leave Mm. or anything like that. And I was the breadwinner. My uh, partner had just started a business and had like one client, so he had no money. So I very rapidly needed to kind of make up that gap. And I started off really doing a little bit of everything a bit of copywriting website design terrible website design um information <laughs> architecture project management and then i kind of moved more into being a copywriter seo copywriter specifically and i did that for about four years just as a as a sole, not just but as a sole trader yeah. um freelance copywriter for hire in whatever time i had and then after about five years that's when i kind of I wouldn't necessarily call them side hustles. That's when little bits of my business grew into, blossomed into bigger bits. You know, so you you run an SEO workshop for a client, and then you think, well, that client enjoyed it. Maybe I could run that for some real business owners. And then you're like, well, the workshop was hard. It was a long day. Maybe I could turn that into a course. And then maybe I could have a, little course before that course and maybe I could support it with a podcast and maybe and it just evolved very iteratively with zero plan it just kind of evolved over time and you know I've had lots of other little projects that haven't evolved but the ones we see today are the ones that I pursued and you know was determined with.
0: What was it about the copywriting and the SEO that you took from all those things you were offering? to be kind of your thing? Well,
1: A, I was wasn't a very good web designer uh, <laughs> and I wasn't a very good graphic designer. I'm very much more of a words person than an aesthetics person. I've always loved words. I've always wanted to be a writer. So it was kind of trying to you know, use what was a hobby and turn it into a business to a degree. But also I saw a gap. Like when I started as a copywriter, there weren't very many SEO copywriters and there were very few female Mm. SEOs. Like literally I I couldn't have named another Australian female SEO when I started. And so I saw a gap to be a, you know, a female SEO consultant, copywriter, and then educator, because there simply wasn't there weren't any others, and I, you know, mm-hmm. not that I think women only want to learn from women, but I think people want the choice; they want the option. Mm-hmm. So it was an it was recognizing a niche, and I'll be honest, not necessarily a niche that I was wildly passionate about, because I'm not sure that passion really gets you. It works for the first bit, but it doesn't keep you going. But it was a it was a niche that I thought I could do. I knew I could sing that song for a long time without getting sick of it. um, Mm -hmm. And that it would make me money. So I have these three rules, Emily. Do people want it? Which sounds obvious, but will people buy this Mm -hmm. thing? Will it make me money? Because again, those two aren't necessarily synonymous. And three, will I enjoy it? And three really mm. important to me. So if I, if something is in the Venn diagram of my business life, if something is in the middle of that, is it, if it's the igagi of those three things, then I'll definitely mm. do it. With SEO, it was people wanted it and it would make me money. What, do I enjoy it? Enough. I enjoy it just enough. And that's sometimes all you get. You can't be passionate about every single Ooh. thing that you do.
0: I love that. It's not a common uh, thing that people say, is it? No, because I think you know, especially when you've given up your day
1: job, you're like, I want to do something that lights my inner fire every day. I want to fill my sparkle. I want to dream big. And it's like, that's lovely. But often we have to just, you know, knuckle down and do the work and understand mm. that a lot of working for yourself is hard and boring and exhausting, and that you have mm. to keep going even when there is no motivation and there is no mm. inspiration. I'm all about determination and perseverance i think those are the key attributes not motivation and passion
0: i'm sorry <laughs> have you ever found that you've wanted to throw in the towel on the seo side of things oh i mean i regular. i think you're not a human if you don't have
1: you know days where you think I can't be bothered to do this anymore. (laughs) You know, we we leave our job and then to some degree recreate our job for ourselves. We can't help ourselves. We're creatures of habit. So, of course, I have Monday mornings when I think, oh, sweet Lord, look at my diary. (laughs) And, you know, yes, the problem as well is when you've built up something that's relatively successful, whatever successful Mm. means. I'm doing doing air fingers. um, And you have a lot of people wanting it and a lot of people in your ecosystem. You can't just stop. You can't Mm. just go, I'm not going to do this anymore because people are on your wait list for the next thing. I mean, of course you could, you could pull the the plug immediately and run away. But there's a degree of delivering on your promises. Mm. So yeah, you know, it's only really in the last year or so that I thought, hmm, you know, I've been doing this for a while now. Maybe it's time for something mm-hmm. new. And I think that's the point where you start to think about your exit plan and mm-hmm. migrating and moving on and just turning the dial down on that so you can turn the dial up on something else, not switching it off immediately, but yeah. just
0: gradually shifting the focus uh, to something else. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I like that. I kind of say that to you just kind of like turn that one down a little bit and uh, turn the other one up. What did it look like for you to attract your first clients to get going? How did you do that? As a freelance copywriter, it was definitely friends
1: and family. I think your first fifty clients are always friends and family. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it, that takes some bravery because I think often when we start our own business, A lot of people almost want us to fail because you've escaped the rat race and they haven't. And they kind of like, you know, that's not a real job. What are you doing? You're just putting the washing on and watching Netflix all day. (laughs) So then to go out to all your friends and family and people that you've, you know, worked with and say, hey, I am now doing this. This is what I'm doing. I'm for hire. That's quite brave. But I did that. And that's where a lot of my clients came from. And then they refer people and people refer people. Obviously, for me, a big part of being found online to begin with was SEO. So I worked very hard at my SEO so that it wasn't people in my circle or my outer circle or my outer, outer circle. It was complete strangers. And that required me to use SEO and have a really solid website with some good solid proof and results on it. So for the first year or so, it was friends, family, and then randoms from Google. And then when I moved into passive income and launching courses... My first clients on those were my previous clients. So I was able to go back to everybody I'd done copywriting for and say, hey, I've launched an SEO course. Mm -hmm. Would you be my first people? You'll get it at this rate, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you get your first group of people and then you get more and you get more. And it's a slow burn. You have to be patient.
0: That is another good point. Would you say that when you... Tell us like your first online course or online offering that you had. What did it look like and I guess how many people bought it? (laughs) Did you have any that just flopped completely at the start or even now? I used to work
1: in an agency and when you are a copywriter you make a lot of templates for yourself so you don't keep creating the wheel. So I made something which is called a copy deck which is a a document that you use to write website copy and it includes all the guidelines and the formatting and what's going to be in the footer. And, and I, you know, that's what I use to write copy for clients. But my other copywriters who hadn't worked in agencies had never heard of that. So they'd be like, well, can we get a copy of that? That sounds really cool. That sounds like a great document. So I'm, you know, giving it away for free for a bit to friends. And then I'm like, <laughs> I could charge for this. So I remember that was my first passive project. I think I charged $9 for it. And now I charge, I think, only 37, but it's that's quite high considering what it is. It's a Word document. And probably now, I probably sold about four and a half thousand of those over the years wow. from that one little... But now I have maybe 60 templates in the shop for all different things like press releases mm. and case studies. So that was my first template my first course was the recipe for seo success and as i said i ran it as an in-person workshop first Mm -hmm. so i did all the powerpoints and everything then turned it into a course but i sold the course before i made it which is a very Mm -hmm. important thing to do so i sold the course i think i I got 21 people the first round i think it was only 400 back then and then i made the course and it was Mm -hmm. horrific i'd be uploading videos literally seven minutes before I was releasing the materials.
0: Sounds like me. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and the videos were bad and the PowerPoints were ugly and there were typos and it was, you know, it wasn't what it is. Now that course costs over $2,000. I think I've now Mm -hmm. had, well, this round I'll have had 1124 people graduate from it. Yeah, it's way different. It's much better. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've remade it probably five or six times you know, and replace bits and whatever. But, yeah, the second time I sold that course, I sold it to 16 people. So it went down. Mm. And I was like, isn't this supposed to get bigger each time? But then the next round it went up and then it went down. And then I've had steady Mm. sales of of, of selling out each round. This round didn't sell out, though. And it's the first Mm. time I haven't had a sellout for a while. And you get a bit complacent. You're like, look at me. I got so complacent, Emily, this is embarrassing, that I'd already my team had already made and scheduled the sold out graphics. <laughs> and then we forgot about it. I mean, oh, it, we forgot. So they went live and I went, and but I honestly went and deleted them and did a post you saying, know. you know what? This round we didn't sell out. We got 15 mm. people less than we usually do. That's okay. Here's why. Because mm. that's a story as well. And I think we don't want to constantly see yeah. people just being gloriously, relentlessly successful. It's boring. You want to see people have downs and cope with them and how do you cope with them and what what impacts that gonna have and how's that gonna
0: change things so that's it that's it that's what I say about when I launched my first program like I wanted I was like I'm gonna get 100 people and then I got like a third or less of that like oh gosh what does happen but I tell people that because you hear all the stories about I launched and I got like $100,000 or whatever it was. So I like it. I think there's been, and I was just talking to my membership
1: this morning about that. Like the, it's changed a lot since I started. I mean, 12 years doesn't sound like a lot of time, but there's so much more pressure, especially on female entrepreneurs. To just be wildly successful. You know, everyone is, every launch is supposed to be a $100,000 launch, Emily, didn't you know? And we're not allowed to make six figures now. We have to make seven figures now and be gorgeous and be heartfelt and share our values and our political beliefs and give to charity. And but there's way more pressure than there used to be to just be just gloriously successful. And, and it's, quite relentless I find at the moment don't yeah. you
0: <laughs> yeah and I guess I'm newer I'm two years into online business but I imagine like when did you launch your first online program how long about ago?
1: five years ago yeah about five no. years ago yeah so yeah. and you know obviously people see the now we all know this we know comparison yes. is the thief of joy we know don't compare your lowlights to someone's highlights Look at the journey, not the destination. We all know this in our heart. We share memes that say this a nice brush grip font, but we don't live it a lot of the time. We look at our people who are, are doing well and we go, oh, maybe they've got something I haven't. Mm-hmm. And often, you know, maybe they have. Maybe they've got a super rich partner, or maybe they can dedicate 40 hours a week to their business, or maybe they're born with it. Who knows? You know, maybe it's Maybelline. I don't know. But it doesn't matter because <laughs> whatever they've got, you can't work it out. <laughs> you have to just focus on what you've got because you've only got you at the end of the day.
0: So you mentioned, I guess, around like kind of the big goal or thing that's out there is like making a million dollars. And I think you touched on this a little bit on um, our mutual friend Claire Woods podcast as well around how you're like, well, is that actually what I want? Is that what I need going forward? I'd love to hear how your goals for your, your business have perhaps changed over the years from what they looked at like really early on. And then because I found like even when I meet some goals, I'm like, hang on, I don't actually want that. Now I've got it. <laughs> What's it look like for you? Well, I think, you know, most
1: of my business life has been very financially driven. Um, you know, like I want to make this amount of money. You know, there was the urge when I started to replace my income and then you change that to like, well, I want to make 10K a month and then you change it to I want to make this much a year. Then I want to pay my mortgage off. Then I want to do this then I want to do this. And every summit that you reach, you just look to the next summit and yeah. keep changing it. And I met all the financial goals that I, I had and then you reach them, and but it's very hollow, because unless those financial goals are sort of tied to something that you genuinely care and, and you value, like you know family or whatever, it can be very hollow at the end because money's just money. I got to the point where I was replacing perfectly good cushions with new cushions. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and it's like, yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah, there's nothing I really massively need. There's nothing I'm a, and that's not because I have everything. It's because also your expectations of what you want. I'm not like a, you know, a Manolo Blahnik crazed person you know it, it's I have smaller desires and then you move into kind of being satisfied by am I liked am I getting positive feedback Are the testimonials good but after you've been doing this for a while you realize that that's a double-edged sword and that as many people who love you there'll be people who hate you for no reason whatsoever and you can't get too excited by the positive feedback because otherwise the negative feedback will hurt
0: yes this is something I have a big learning for me because I used to get really, um, oh, Coda, look what they wrote. It's just so lovely. And he's like, no, like you cannot let that affect you because I would also get very affected by the negative and it would throw me.
1: So then maybe you move into other things like doing The entrepreneur list must have a course, must have membership, must have podcasts, must speak at events, must write a book. Then you do all of those things. And I got very, you know, I wrote a book. That will be my success. But it's not because then people are like, when's your next book coming out? (laughs) You know, and then I went on the speaker circuit. So I did a lot of speaking and first year you're pleased to be asked to speak at anything. And then you're really excited to be asked to speak out of state. Then you're really excited to be asked to speak overseas. Then you're really excited to be asked to speak overseas and be paid and paid and whatever. And then you're like, speaking is exhausting. It takes me away from my family. And honestly, who cares? You know, (laughs) so you go down the ego route of satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And I've basically come all the way back to a really low level why. It's a really small why, you know, Simon Sinek, understand yes. your why and my why these days is just can i can i get up can i walk the dog can i make my son's breakfast can i come to my office without a feeling of dread do a yeah. good day's work but not too long a day of work finish see a friend or hang out with my partner make dinner mm-hmm. watch a bit of telly that's my why
0: isn't it funny how we kind of cause I can relate and it's like we have these ambitions because I'm like I wanna work for myself then I can go like work in Bali and da 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 and then I realise oh I actually just really like working from home and having these like really simple things like being able to go for a walk every day and just sit there with my coffee. <laughs> but it, and it's, it's, it's
1: simple pleasures. It's a great story. We're both a big fan of Robert Garish. He, t- he tells yes. the uh, Spanish fisherman story, which I won't recount because I don't do it yes. as well, but you can. And it's all, you know, all these grand things that you could do just because you could doesn't mean you should. And even when you've done all of them, you know, if someone said to you, Emily, you can have infinite money You'd never have to work again. Mm-hmm. What would you really want to do with your day? You'd probably want to do a bit of what you're doing, of course, because it sparks joy and, and you're helping people and it's creative. But you wouldn't want to flog yourself and do 60-hour weeks to make a blooming membership and 17 courses and 72 downloadable PDFs. You'd be like, okay, well, I'll make one nice thing that I'm proud of. you know. And I've, yeah. I feel like there's a, a bit of a loss of enjoying the craft and enjoying the process and the slowness of just making good stuff Mm -hmm. because we're always focused on the goal and the money and the ego and the fame and the
0: Mm. you know and I think it's the idea that it's like well you could do this and so therefore you should yeah of course if you know what I mean as well
1: you could do anything I mean you could do if you really set your mind free and think well I could Mm -hmm. achieve anything if I wanted to but do I really want to like what are the consequences you know we talked about the dials what in my real life will I have to dial down to dial this up because something's got to give you know maybe your family you won't see your family so much maybe your relationship will suffer maybe your health or your mental health you really can't do everything and we've been told that we can especially as women Mm. Um, and we can do everything but just not all at the same time
0: no I agree I agree because it's like you say like we could add more and that's what we probably thought we used to want to and I can speak for myself but then you realize hang on a minute yeah what is that costing me not having the time in my day just to enjoy and everything what is what's like the different revenue streams in your business look like over time because I'm sure it sounds like they've really extended and I'm curious what's happening now as well. Can you talk us through them?
1: Yeah. So as a copywriter, you know, the first couple of years wasn't huge money. I have all this charted. I did um, and I'm, I'm going to be writing a blog post about all my finances stuff because I've really improved my kind of financial literacy. So, you know, earned a decent sal- salary as a freelancer got up to the point where I was earning as much as I could earn because obviously as a service provider, you're exchanging
0: your time for money and there's only so much time, so you can only earn so much money. And can I also there, like, I think that's okay too because I know I have some students and they, they're like, oh, but I'm trading time for money. I'm like, but that's okay. It doesn't mean that's a bad thing.
1: <laughs> I 100% agree because having these passive, so-called passive income sources, it's not better. It's just different. Yeah, it's just it. different. And yes, you can make, you could make, infinite amounts of money but it's not without infinite amounts of effort like it, it doesn't not it's not just a tap completely. you turn on no it's not my income was 100% earning uh, time for money. And then I launched Passive Product and it was d- dribbles. You know, I was thrilled by the PayPal ping. Every time I sold a template, I was like, that's free money.
0: I remember that I'd make like $50 from a, a membership. And I just like that $50 would get me so much more excited than like my $5,000 client Absolutely.
1: work. Emily, totally. And then you, you know when you're becoming a bit blasé when you turn the ping off because you're like, I don't want to be disturbed. So then, you know, these days, still about 50% of my income comes from my big SEO course. That's my flagship course. As I said, I launch that three times a year. It's about $2,000 a a spot. So that's the majority. Then I've got two memberships, which I deliberately set up to have some recurring income. Because obviously I make 50% of my money on three days a year. And that's kind (laughs) of quite full on. And then the shops where I sell little templates and I have some evergreen courses that just sell, you know, they bring in a stream, a little bit of money from affiliate marketing. So, you know, there's a couple of uh, affiliate programs that I'm in that I'm very transparent about a little bit of um, money from referrals. So if I refer work out to other people, because I still get a lot of referrals through my copywriting website that I built back in 2009, I, (laughs) I give a lot of those to my community But I also will refer big jobs out and say I get a little bit of money from that. And then, you know, a little bit from speaking, a little bit from the book. Mm. But the book's nothing to write home about. Like I get my Amazon check for my royalties. (laughs) Now I'm like, brilliant, I can buy three coffees with that.
0: Do you do um, any one-on-one coaching?
1: I don't. I don't at at all now um, because that hour that I spend with one person, what I could produce... I've got, like, over nearly 600 members in my membership. That's a lot of people to please and keep happy, and they're my focus. And also, I find anything one-on-one, I find it super draining, super draining. Because although I do like talking to people, I'm an ambivert. I get a lot of pleasure, not more, but a lot of pleasure and enjoyment out of making, out of coming up with a template or coming up with a solution, and I need to balance that out. So... Mm You know, I, I look at people like Claire again, you know, who has coaching clients. And sometimes she says, you know, I do, I've do. i done seven people today. And I'm like, oh, "That I just couldn't talk.
0: That's what I say to Claire too.
1: I'm like, I think I'd have to lie down after two. Yeah. I mean, I can do huge group. Like on my course, I'll have 80 people on the call. Yeah. And that to me is more manageable because it's one hour of real intense focus but to talk to
0: people hour after
1: hour I'm just not sure I could do it I think
0: and it's funny because you could get paid and you could get paid well for that but for you again that trade-off is just like well actually no yeah
1: and I think there's other other people again because people do ask and you get tempted and you go and you're like you just pull a figure out my bottom right I'm gonna charge you five thousand dollars an hour and people go oh yeah I'll pay that and you're like again I also don't think I'm good at it I think there are people who are better at it than me. Yeah. So again, just because I could do it, like, you know, I could do a podcasting course because I've had, I've got three podcasts. I could teach people how to write <laughs> books because I've written a book, but just because yeah. I could, there's probably people who are more, mm-hmm. who are more focused on that. Mm-hmm. And, and also I see some people just doing thing after thing after thing. And then I don't yeah. know who you are. What is your focus? What are you known yeah. for? What's your niche? And you do everything for everybody, you become a bit vanilla. So I think mm-hmm. it almost sometimes the
0: could should thing is is can be damaging to the brand as well. Oh, it definitely is. Yeah, it definitely is. Because I think it's funny when we look back now, and I, I we're both kind of like you know you get to a stage and you just want to go on a walk in the day and enjoy your coffee. And but I know that when you're at the start of the journey, like that just it's just like guys, come on. I need money. What would you say to people that are maybe in that first those early years of business that are still their need to make a bit more income than they are now? What would you say to them about, all right, this is this is what you should focus on and this is what just don't even worry about?
1: I do think there should be a degree of patience and understanding that it won't happen overnight. And I know everyone says that, but we don't believe it, you know. And I do think there should be an understanding that there's, there is going to be an exchange. If you want to hustle, hustle, hustle and push yourself, understand what the consequences will be. I'm not a big believer in being consistent in terms of, you know, turning up every Monday and doing a thing. But I think you have to persevere, as I said, and not... Look to be inspired and happy and delighted in what you're doing every single day. There will be days where you hate what you're doing and you have to just keep going. That's okay because the payoff is coming, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's there's a great line in that book by Mark, what's him a call it? He wrote the subtle art of not giving a f. Oh yeah, I
0: haven't. Uh, Mark Manson. No. Yeah, Mark Manson. Mark yeah. Manson? Yeah. No, I, haven't I always get mixed
1: though. up with Charles Manson, but he's a, he's a serial killer. Um, <laughs> but he says, you know, to be a successful To be successful at something, you have to enjoy the struggle. And he talks about marathon runners and how marathon runners actually enjoy getting up at 5 a.m. I mean, they don't love it, but they get some satisfaction of getting up at 5 a.m., running in the dark for 15 kilometers and eating really healthy food. Because if they didn't enjoy that bit, they couldn't get the goal. So you have to enjoy the struggle. Uh, We all all struggle, whether we're in a full-time job, whether we're a full-time parent, we all struggle. You just have to choose which struggle you're going to enjoy the most and the one that you can stick with for the longest, I think.
0: It's so true because, cause like, this is the thing. There's no real kind of end point. And then you're like, okay, I'm here now. I'm here now. That's what I learned as well. Like, you've really got to enjoy, like, the process of it because that's actually what it is. That's what you're doing every day. So you got to, like, that's what I find. I I do love that. That's what I wake up, I'm like, cool, this is like the puzzle of my business. What am I going to move around and test and everything?
1: You can see that in people. You can see the people who love that. You can see other people who are there waiting for their moment when they're getting up on stage and presenting and being clapped. That's the bit they love. And that is so fleeting and so short and so rare that if you're just waiting for that bit, you're going to be very miserable for the rest <laughs> of the t- You want to be happy of the time in your business, not 20, you know? And the 80% is the grunt work, the turning up, the recording (laughs) the podcast, the writing the show notes, you know, that bit.
0: That's it. What have been like some of the big uh, shifts or mindset stuff or identities of yourself that you've had to be like, oh, hang on a minute. Like, why am I doing that? Let's change this. What have been kind of some big shifts for you over the past 12 years of maybe you look back and you're like, oh, wow, I can't believe I used to think that or believe that.
1: Emily, these questions are great. You know, she's, you know, audience, she's just making these up as we go. She's just making them up. This
0: is brilliant. (laughs) You said nothing was off limits, so I'm making the most of this. (laughs)
1: Look, I think. The biggest one, I think, for most of us, male or female, is, is imposter syndrome and comparisonitis. The amount of time I have wasted mm. going down the rabbit hole of looking at other people's oh, things. Oh, God, yes. And I still do it even today. Like I was looking, I'm terrible at Instagram. It's not been my channel. <laughs> I, I'm an SEO person. <laughs> but I tried, I started to try and do it relatively steadily about a year ago and I looked the other day and I was like oh look at me you know I've got over 7,000 followers well done me isn't that it's rubbish compared to everyone else and then of course I immediately went and looked at a few other people's saw that they have like 40,000 people and I'm like (laughs) oh you know it's like why did I just steal my own joy I just literally ruined it for myself and then I'm looking at them going well what are they posting and big mindset shifts have been you know to stop looking at other people to have confidence that I am enough which is still hard for all of us you know as more and more competitors come out that really at the end of the day anybody could launch an SEO course anybody can launch a Mm. membership anyone can be a coach anyone can have advice on this that and the other and even your experience really Mm. anyone can replicate that because we're not unique butterflies you know You know, there's going to be someone else that's had a similar life to you that has similar stories. At the end of the day, all you've got is you, your sense of humor, your idioms, the TV shows you like, whether you're big into Wentworth. The more of that that you bring out, because that's authentically you and no one can really replicate that blah, 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 the more you get comfortable in your business. And yes, lots of people aren't going to like some aspects of that. You know, they're going to be like, why does she like Wentworth? Wentworth's rubbish. (laughs) Unfollow. But the people who do like you will like you harder. So... It's, for me, it's a literal horrible circle of going around that mm-hmm. self-doubt. Oh, no, I'm enough. Self-doubt. No, no, I'm enough. Self-doubt. Just mm-hmm. on repeat. Some days I'm good. Some days I'm bad. Yeah. That's my biggest learning, really. And to focus mm-hmm. on on the money and get your money sorted. Get a good accounts mm-hmm. and you know, use profit first. You know, be organized with your money. Those are my two
0: main things, really. (laughs) Mindset and money, baby. When I used to hear about this mindset thing, I'm like, no, no, no. I want the business strategy. I want the like, how do I do that? But it's so funny because it's like so we can know all of that. But we're still not going to get to where we want to get to if we don't get over these things, like the comparisonitis. Or
1: you can be where you want to get to, which I'd say where I am now. Really, there is not much else I could do in my business. Do you know what I mean? Like I have the book, the podcast, the membership, the course, blah,
0: blah, blah. You've ticked all the boxes.
1: Ticked all the boxes. Everything's (laughs) selling things are going well there's money in the bank I have a nice team my processes I'm automated as as automated as I want to be I've got my softwares you know I have a bit of peer respect and Mm. it's as good as it can be but even with all of that I still can have days where I just feel like awful because I haven't got my mindset sorted and that just that's an ongoing battle I think for all of us forever really to try and Battle the demons and, you know, be your best self if you can. You know, it's a challenge.
0: What has it been like for you? Because I know you said you started your online course maybe five years ago and you didn't see anyone else in the market. And now there are more people in the market. Was that like challenging confronting for you yeah hugely and it's
1: ridiculous as well because you know a lot of the people who have launched things have done my courses so I'm teaching people how to do things then they go and do them (laughs) and then I resent them for doing them and it's like so look you know I feel to some degree that without wanting to sound like an ass that I have you know, being a bit of a trailblazer, for, especially for women in SEO, and that's great. And, you know, the only thing I think is that sometimes people follow your path a little too closely. You've got a 10 day challenge, they launch a 10 day challenge. Yeah. You've got a show called this, they launch a show called nearly the same thing. It's like, yeah totally do your thing but try and inject some you make it very you because as i said anyone can teach seo you know it's totally doable and learnable but it's how you teach it it's the way the analogies you use the funny comparisons so yes it has definitely been challenging because although again we all like to th- feel abundant and feel like we're not all eating the same piece of pie we do worry that That person who's bought Mm -hmm. that person's course isn't going to buy yours. Of course they're not. You know, Mm -hmm. some people will buy two things, but at the end of the day, people are making choices every single Mm -hmm. day. I like her more than her. I like this more than that. So, of course, it worries you, but I think it's really important to, again, look at the numbers, look at the figures and go, is this person really impacting my bottom line? Mm -hmm. And the time I'm wasting focusing on them, what could I be using that time to do better in my own business is this a wake-up call okay well they've launched a challenge maybe challenges are getting a bit old now which i think they are a little bit they were good five years ago, but you know, maybe the, the days of challenges are gone. They are five years behind you. So That's
0: what are you,
1: what are you gonna do today that they'll be f- copying in five years' time?
0: It kind of gets you to be less uh, yeah, less comfortable with where you're at. You're like, cool, okay, let's actually look what I can do now a bit different or a bit better.
1: But you know, there's it's exhausting, and sometimes you do just want to rest on your laurels and you don't want to be worrying mm. that everyone's nipping at your heels. And you know, I'm getting to the point in my business. I'm very old, Emily. I, I should No, you're not! <laughs> I'm getting to the point in my business journey where I'm, I'm, it's going to be really difficult and it's actually something I really want to focus on in my next podcast mm. is how to come
0: down from the summit with grace. Please, because that was my next kind of question. What are you like, what's happening now? What are you kind of thinking about and working on now? Well, you know,
1: you reach your seven figures, which we're all supposed to be banging on. And then this year I'm like, I don't want to earn that again. And that's a really confronting thing to say to people. I want to earn less this year. I wanna earn less this year. Mm. I wanna not work as much. And people would say, well, don't you wanna work less and still earn the same? Yeah, kind of, but it's that's a dream. That's you know, yeah. you can't have your cake and eat it to some degree. So I wanna earn less, I wanna do less. I'm gonna start over time closing parts of my business. You know, yeah. I'm gonna be dialing them all the way down to off, yeah. not just dialing them down. And to do that with grace and to Still have respect because people admire people who are go-getting and moving forward. And if you're to a degree moving backward, do people still respect you? And also watching other people rise up and occupy the space that you have left and being comfortable with that. Like, you know, maybe at the, you know, at the moment I could maybe say I'm pretty well known as a woman in SEO in Australia, give it two years, maybe someone else will be that person and I will have to be watching from the sidelines and I'll have to be okay with that because that's my choice.
0: It's interesting. It's like, is it Kevin Rudd that just can't stay out of politics or something? Someone like that? <laughs> and it's like,
1: again, Robert garrish uh, you know, who moved on from flying solo and, you know, it's doing great things now, but, you know, when you've been at that level, like, you know, it's like being a pop star and your first hit is really successful and then you're always, you're a one hit wonder and you're trying to get your next song and, you know, you never get it again and you end up, you know, being a bin man or something. I don't know. But how to exit your business with grace, with, you know, mental ease and not be fraught about it. I think that's a really, that's the next stage in my journey. And I'm, it's an interesting, that's my next project. That is
0: so, we need like, actually, I was going to say, we need a book on that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm sure I'll manage to make some extra projects out of it. But, yeah, it's interesting and it's not talked about as much. It is not. And, you know, one day, you know, probably not far from now, people are like, what have I happened to that Kate Sheeran woman? But hopefully I'll be doing something so joyful that I, I won't care, you
0: know. I won't yeah. be. Won't. And I think, well, it sounds as though you'll kind of share some of that because I know what you mean. Sometimes it's like, hang on, I remember this person I used to follow and I used to see all the time. Hang on, where are they? And then you, Yeah. So, no, that'll be really, really It'll be interesting. interesting. I'm not quite ready yet.
1: I think I've got one more year or maybe one, maybe two more years of, of, of keeping at the level I am. But then, yeah, you know, I'm nearing 50. I want my 50s to look slightly different to my 40s. Yeah,
0: so. Thank you so much for chatting with me. Is there anything that you wanted to, that I haven't asked that you want to?
1: No, uh, just I want to I wanna share with the audience how glamorous Emily looks today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I look like
1: I've slept in a bin. Uh, so maybe you know when you've been in the, doing it for this long you're two years in, in let me see in 10 years if you still and <laughs> no, i'm joking no it's been an absolute pleasure and some really interesting and insightful questions that i've really enjoyed answering
0: so thank you so much oh thanks for thanks for answering them where can everyone go and find you
1: well you can head to katoon.com or just google katetoon because of that good old seo thing you should find me Oh, thanks so much, Kate. Thank you.